I'm passionate about healing and getting more um, healing opportunities out to more people because people are searching and they're not finding people able to help them enough. Um, you know, the, the healing and, and inspiration and, and that kind of that kind of flow. Why, why is that so important nowadays? Oh, oh, <laughs> I can go pretty far to the left on that one. I'm not sure that's where we want to go. Um, so it's important for each individual to heal, begin to cure or heal themselves with assistance or without, um, to continue with the expansion of their soul and the journey that their soul is on in this lifetime. Welcome back everyone to the Avi Om experience. And so this week we're talking to a dear friend of Aviana and myself, Terry. Terry is a certified holistic nurse now you're probably thinking what does that mean well let's just say that she's been in this practice since 1990 i know super long time so she has a fountain of wisdom and she specializes in nutrition and medical intuition energy healing and so many more and different modalities so sit back as she navigates her business into this new realm, into this new world of, of you know, digital. Because, you know, as, as all of us know, in the 1990s, it wasn't necessarily like that. It was just via newsletters and, and emails and things like that. And now in this digital age, it's about shifting your practice, aligning with the energies of those who, who need it. So sit back and enjoy this amazing conversation that we have with Terry. All the links and information will be in the show notes. So once again, thank you, thank you, thank you. What's going on, love? Another day, another beautiful day of life. How was your uh, How was your day today? Um. Well, you know, I'm going to date this conversation just a little bit. That's fine. Um. So we are just coming out of Mercury retrograde. And um, it's been playing havoc on a lot of people. Obviously, you and I have talked about Mercury retrogrades, and we we like them for the most part. Right. I do. <laughs> you like every day. That's true. However, interestingly enough, um, we're out of retrograde, so we just finished it. And it seems as though, for me, the shadow, the back-end information is wreaking the most havoc versus then what was it during it. And so, um, so I've had, I've had an interesting day. Uh, every day is great, but there's been a couple ebbs and flows that just kind of leave you going, Hmm, what is this about? How, how long does the back end typically last? It varies, you know? Um, so it finished on December 6th. We're now on the 10th. I was anticipating that we would be clear as today. <laughs> and it's still kind of like, why, why do you think that is? Um, I think, I feel it's momentum, you mm -hmm. know, so as Mercury um, starts moving again, it's just not like, bam, it's moving, you know, it's gaining momentum. So it's, it's getting uh, in the space where continuous surgence is moving. And so I, at least for me, um, it's taking a little bit 
more of the momentum needed to get there. So is it so it's pulling more energy from you? So so you're saying that you have to kind of go into your reserves? No, but it's not pulling energy from me. It's creating delays. It's creating um, disturbances. It's creating malfunction. <laughs> so it's a little bit more right. than just pulling energy. Is it making you look more at at certain topics? Or I mean, not certain topics, but is it making you look more, you know, with a with a a deeper sense? You know, like things are not. Well, face value type. Well, whenever you have a resistance, there's something to look at. Right. So I'm having to redo things. Mm. So things that have already been done, I'm having to redo them. So tweaking, there's a lot of tweaking. It's not just, not that things are one and done. Right, right. But yeah, but it's going over what you've already done because it didn't complete or finish the first time around. Right. So I like the way you said that redo. And, and I also, I want you to bring someone in and it's not that the idea is, is about redoing, but it does kind of go back to sometimes it's kind of going back on our practice, right. And kind of looking at our, at our practice, kind of redoing our practice, maybe redoing and rebuilding ourselves. So why don't you introduce who we have with us? Um, super, super excited to have with us today, uh, Terry Weebold. Here's what's super crazy awesome about her is that she's a certified holistic nurse and intuitive healer. And what I love, 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 love about this conversation, mm-hmm. which we haven't even started yet, is the fact that she can blend medicinal, scientific with intuition and consciousness. So, you know, I love, I can't do that, you know, and I I love people who can because I'm so off in right field. Right, right. And she can blend left field and right field (laughs) based on her education. And what I also love, which we'll get into deeper in this conversation, is that she's been in private practice for 29 years. That's a while. So like, holy moly, she's, she knows what she's talking about. Right, right. And, you know, when we look at being in practice um, for this amount of time, she's been using intuition the whole entire time, which is being led the entire amount of practice, which intuition from a global perspective, universal perspective. It's just now, um, I shouldn't say just now, but it's becoming more and more recognized. And mm-hmm. so she's been doing it for a, a minute. And right. and I'm excited about that because there's a lot of people, at least um, from my perspective, who I speak to um, that don't want to speak about that or they weren't able to step into that because fear of judgment or experience or um, not being credible. And Terry has um, standed her truth and stood in her truth. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know if standed, standed is a word. Stood, standing, <laughs> stood, stood, stood in her fine. truth and um, is passionate about it. And the other thing that I am super um, 
excited to share is that, you know, beyond all of this, she's keeping up with technology mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. moving through all these platforms. So without further ado, let's uh, bring her into the conversation. Welcome, Terry. Welcome to you, Avi. Um, that introduction, um, um, was awesome. And that's how I truly, truly feel. I mean, I'm so grateful to, um, know you to be, have worked with you and, um, to have you here sharing your story, your experiences, um, your wisdom and, and, uh, let everyone else hear about it also. Well, thank you. I'm also very privileged to be able to work with you, um, which has been for about a year and a half, almost two years now. Right. Time flies when we're having fun, right? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And we met um, in Iowa. I have so many amazing uh, people and connections in Iowa. And we uh, met at Marsha's studio um, a lot of a lot of conversations and podcasts get talked about Marsha Neeland and Fusion Studio. <laughs> All right, so there's a, there's a there's a lot of powerful souls in there. A lot state. of powerful souls over there. So um, we met in a session in 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 a reading, you and I, and then um, after that session, uh, we communicated and uh, wanted to take, uh, this on a whole nother level. And interestingly enough, you were curious about, um, accelerating your business from an intuitive aspect. Yes. And I also have to thank you again and again. Um, I contacted you to get an appointment when I knew you were coming to Iowa and I must've maybe waited 12, 15 hours from the time I got the email till the time I emailed you and you said you were full but you could at a half hour at 9.30 in the morning if I could come. And so um, you must have planned on starting at 10 originally. So I really appreciate getting in that day because that made a difference. Wow, I forgot about that. You know, that was that was um, a couple of years ago. And, and now um, uh, I, I, yeah, I probably was starting at 10. I think I start at nine now because yeah. there's been so many requests going in. Um, but, um, there was, you know, it's interesting because when, when we get booked in, in those slots and then I feel an energy that comes through, uh, that we need to communicate because we didn't know each other prior no, to that. not at all. Mm-hmm. To that time. So, so when there's something that comes in that I'm being pulled or called to, um, connect with, uh, then spirit delivers. And so we made that appointment of you coming in a little bit earlier and here we are. Yes, Thank you. Um, and I think that's an important point too, where you felt spirit either say to you or get a feeling that you needed to connect with me, um, in that form. And, um, this is one little piece of the puzzle that I think many people are just beginning to wake up to is following their own intuition or listen to their feelings and acting on them. You know, you can sit and listen to stuff all day, but unless you act on them, it's not going to make a difference. Right. So it's following that intuition. Yes. So, so then why don't you explain for the, you know, the people listening, how did you kind of follow on this path or, fall into the path or rise into the path? Well, it began a long, long time ago when I was seven years old and I was hospitalized with pneumonia from a bad cold or something. 
and um, hospitals were much, much different in those days. And um, I was very ill. And when my mom was 88 years old, which would be about 22, no, 12, 15 years ago, she told me that they almost lost me that night. I almost died in an asthma attack and the pneumonia. And um, I found that interesting because a clairvoyant had told me before that that I'd had a near-death experience at the age of eight and nobody or seven, and nobody had ever told me that. And I decided to stay. And, of course, when I felt a little better, I was in the hospital for like a week then. Um, I noticed what the nurses did, and I made up my mind to be a nurse. And that was it. Done. Wow. That's, 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 a, that's very interesting. Now, but, you know, do you... Can you recall now as you look back as far as the, the near death experiences, like did that like really like awaken you at that age? Not quite. Um, I was raised in a, a very good but uh, limited belief Catholic family. And mom was always right. Dad was always right. The school was always right. So my intuition got kind of foiled for a while. Um, I, when I did go back to school after I was well enough to go back to school that semester, which was in the fall, um, I couldn't make any friends. I was different. And I remember feeling so lonely and so out of place or something. And I'd already been in that school, in that classroom, but I kind of like lost all my friends and had to start over. I was just a cog in the wrong wheel or something and then things began to evolve a little bit better for a seven-year-old but i can remember that feeling very well and i didn't know why wow this is fascinating that's like your same experience is it isn't it Avi? no I, it, mine was different mine started in like dream states you know mm-hmm. well not real it was dream states but it was also more more visionary i mean i didn't i didn't have my near-death experience until you know, um, my twenties. Well, I think I'm, I'm more referring to like feeling like different. Know, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was that. What's fascinating about that story, though, is that she was sick, had right. an NDE, and then came back and knew that something was different. Right, right. Like that was like a reset button. Yeah, a redo button. And my mom knew that. I mean, she didn't know it was a near death experience, but she was told that they almost lost me, you know? So um, everybody knew that I was that sick. I would think I was too sick to even know, but. So right. then so then you came from, you know, from that experience saying that, you know, I want to be a nurse. I want to, and, and, and I assume that part of you being a nurse is the healing. Is, is that a correct assumption? Yes, yes. And at first, of course, it came in the very traditional work in the hospital form. I taught nursing for a number of years, and then I worked at the bedside, is what we would say, um, for several years, too. A total of 17 years before I left nursing for five years and then established my own practice. So I just, and I just want, I just want to make this clear. So for those listening, so, you know, you're, let's just say you're 10 years old, you you know you're going to be a nurse. You're 14 years old, you know you're going to be a nurse. You're 18 years old, you know, you're going to be a nurse. Did that ever deviate or you knew and that was it? Um, I knew and that was it. And I went on to college, four-year college, um, and graduated, passed my boards, and have had a license ever since. So awesome. It goes back to those conversations that you and I, Chris, have offline where um, 
the soul knows at a very young age what it's what it's here to do. We don't always remember. Terry was fortunate to remember at such a young age. The awareness for me started at the age of three. Um, but I didn't know I'd be doing this, you know, <laughs> this today. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I didn't know what I, all I knew, which is, this is going to take an instant, interesting little tangent. All I knew from a very, very young age, I would say by, um, I don't even know how old I was, however old I was in fourth grade, I knew in the, in fourth grade, I would never have children. Oh, and, wow. um, yeah. And, um, and it was just, it was a knowing, it was an absolute knowing. Um, I, it was interesting because people would say, oh, you're too young to know you're going to have a family, you know, sure. You'd be, you'd be a great mom, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, but I, I knew, I mean, the thought had crossed my mind, you know, for brief seconds. Uh, but even when Chris and I met, um, it was not. Did we even talk about having children? Yeah. Well, no, that, that we didn't want. Oh, well, we asked if we had any. Of course, we both don't. And, and we both then kind of mutual, mutually said no, because I didn't want any either. And it's interesting because we found each other later in life, you know, in our 30s. Yeah. And for both of us not to have children at that age, nor want them is kind of rare also it, it so, is yes mm-hmm. right and so but this is you're right and this is fascinating and i know i started this by saying you know you and i talking and talking about the redo and stuff and going back and the reworking and and i want to make a point of of why i said like the redo in a sense because it's not really that you're reinventing or remaking or redoing anything if you stick if you stick with your guns is a weird way to say it from the very beginning, you know, obviously, you know, Terry, you stayed with it. You know, you said, yes, this is what I want to be. And I believe that most of us have that, but we get talked out of it. I think that's or a good we point. Become, yes. Yeah, we, we get talked out of it, but we also, we, the world wreaks havoc on us. On you know, you, you have to make a certain amount of money right. or you have to have a certain amount of experience or you know, it's, it's all about the bottom line right now and not necessarily what's aligning with your passion. And you came right, out of right. that experience, Terry, with this knowing that this is, you know, what you're going to do. I'm curious, um, throughout your practice as an RN, did you always use intuition um, when you were working with patients? I think it was about 50-50 because the hospital structure back then was quite... Um, specific, not really rigid, but very specific. And, um, you know, what the doctor said went and there wasn't much leeway in things. It was pretty structured. Um, but then as I got away from that and, um, moved more away from nursing for five years and then started my own practice, that's when everything shifted. And I began to go to spiritual workshops and things like that. Um, back when hardly anybody knew about them because we didn't have internet. Um, and so that began to shift things and a lot of recall came with that. Awesome. So what is, what? explain to us what your practice looks like today. I have an office and I work alone. I do have four people that I contract work with uh, for them to help me with things that I sure don't want to learn, like 
a great webmaster, a great great social marketing, a uh, social media marketing person, um, an editor, and of course a CPA. You know, those numbers are something else. But anyway, um, so in my practice, I see people in my office for certain modalities, and I also do um, long distance work over the phone or Skype or FaceTime or whatever. So the m- modalities that I use. Uh, our therapeutic nutrition, which is evaluating uh, with a physical exam and health history um, what people's imbalances are or deficiencies, and then treat accordingly with um, whole food supplements or homeopathics to help with their symptoms they're concerned about. And the second thing um, is energy work, like Reiki and Healing Touch. And um, the third modality is medical intuition in the form of what we call a body scan, where I can remotely um, check in with the body and go in through the physiology and look for the root cause, which could come up as a spiritual thing, uh, mental, emotional, uh, a past life, a near-death experience, um, an overlay of somebody else's stuff that's causing symptoms and things like that. So there's three main modalities that I use. Correct me if I'm wrong, as far as the dates, well, not dates, but the time. So you was a nurse for 17 years, right? Before In the hospitals, right. yeah. And so then what, you know, obviously, and what you're doing now is, you know, seems to be, you know, like infusing some of that, but like taking it another step. So, but what made you, you know, come to that point where you then decided that you wanted to go on your own and, and add these you know, other modalities, like again, the, you know, the, the, Reiki, the, the Reiki and, you know, and, and the body uh, scanning. I started out with the energy work and the therapeutic nutrition um, through um, an ex-husband that I have. Um, and we had a private practice and I got connected to some spiritual work, but the real crux of it came when I got connected to the American Holistic Nurses Association. And they were about five or six years up starting up. They were just really plowing ground. Um, there wasn't anything out there like that. And I got connected to a lot of different therapies, education, continuing education classes, and began to incorporate the ones that I liked into my practice. And then I got connected to um, Norm Sheely and his um, Holos University and went there for a while. But the I wasn't supposed to be there. It was who I was supposed to meet. And I met a lady who owned an education company in Guelph, Canada named Lori Wilson. And I took all of her classes, which led me to being a certified medical intuitive. And I taught for her for about 10 years. I taught the classes. Wow. Isn't it? So, so I've got so many questions. Like, I don't even know where to start. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, with you, tapping in and doing what you do from a, um, a a medical standpoint, um, how, how is your viewpoint? And obviously this is, this is not a judgment on, on our systems today, but do you feel that this, the energy work and the tapping in from a, from a medical level, from an intuitive level, from a, uh, a a conscious level of our knowing and our awareness, do you feel that this is the way of our future? Um, absolutely, because many of the other ways aren't working anymore, or they're getting broken and they're not holding up. 
Um, if you look at the actual medical model and what the hospitals are going through, what some of the doctor's offices and the insurance companies and everything are going through, it's really getting broken piece by piece. And the more people hang on to their linear thinking and black and white and no gray and no what about my feelings or ignore their feelings, um, they get sick. You know, I, I this is something that I talk about daily. I feel that a lot of our um, wellness or our not well-being is constricted energy. It's energy that's not able to move appropriately or uh, even a carryover from past life energy. It's, it's, it's situations, experiences, emotions that are not dealt with yet. Exactly. That's the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. And so until we go to the root cause of what that is, only then can a lot of us begin to heal. Now, with the exception, we do have a food problem in the United States. <laughs> really? Yes, we do. <laughs> so, I mean, energy can lead a big part of the way, but food is huge, right, Terry? It is, and every toxin that goes with it. Um, yes, it's just, there's so many pieces and parts to it. And to compromise that as hard as people, many as hard as many people try, um, everybody's so busy and time is of the essence and cooking takes a while and it's, everything gets squished together. A lady, one of my clients today told me that a few years ago, uh, she began to really start reading labels and look at what's in all this. So she bought a can of kidney beans, not thinking twice about it, to make some chili. And she got home and she read the label and it had high fructose corn syrup in it. And the kidney beans. <laughs> really? Yeah. And so she said, I just read everything from A to Z. And I said, the other piece of that um, is that you could find out that this one doesn't have high fructose corn syrup in it which is now labeled differently anyway, and buy that same brand every time, but they could change one of the ingredients. And unless you read the label every time or every few times, you could still have problems. You know, I have this, this uh, theory, and I know, Terry, you can probably, you know, add to this or, or let me or confirm or not. But do people get more sick? And I mean, like, you know, the flu, the common cold, stuff like that. Is the food we're eating affecting our immune system where people are getting more sick because of the food? Absolutely, because not everybody, but most people eat too much sugar. Sugar suppresses the immune system very quickly. There's a research, I'll keep this short, but there was a research project uh, oh, more than 10 years ago that was done where um, they do blood from patients in a hospital setting or outpatient setting, and they check their white blood count, which is what tells you whether you have an infection or not. And there's five parts to the white blood cells, and I won't go into the physiology of that, but one of them um, elevates right away when you have the start of an infection. And um, they gave, they did a, a regular blood draw, so everything was normal. Then they gave them two teaspoons of sugar and their whole white blood cell count shifted to the worse. And, well, it would be detailed to go into all the 
parts of the white blood cells, but um, it showed what sugar did to the immune system two hours after it was eaten. Uh, so does it kind of like... Suppresses the immune system. Put it to sleep? So does, does sugar put like the immune system and it just makes it go to sleep? Like sugar says, yeah, just go to sleep. We don't need you right now. <laughs> exactly. Kind of. That's a good way to put it too. Yes. And so then you're more susceptible. Then you've got the stress and the toxins and whatever else. And of course, instead of sugar, then we've got the aspartame and all those chemicals. Um, and so the immune system isn't there to show up and fight off a virus or a cold or maybe even cancer. We now know how important the immune system is in keeping it str- strong and healthy to avoid cancer cells developing. Interesting. I I I don't know the analogy, but I um I. The specifics so both of you can correct me on this but don't they say that sugar can be even more addicting than um heroin yes mm-hmm. i've read that mm-hmm. yeah wow and, and i think and i think it's true too that i think sugar like and i'm not sure because i thought i've seen this on rappers but like sugar there's there's uh, some kind of thing that they don't have to actually put the amount of sugar that's in an item I don't know about that one. It, that varies a little bit, but you're on the right track. And they don't have to label it as sugar if it's less than a certain parts per million or whatever the FDA would allow or USDA. Right. So it has to be a certain amount of sugar before they have to, quote, record it on the label. Oh, that's probably what you're talking about. Yeah. And then when you think about all the sugar that's either hidden or blatantly put in the food that we don't see or recognize, eating out for one, it, it makes a difference. And it's probably in so many things, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know when I had to take gluten out of my uh, diet, then it was, um, uh, you just really, have, it's in everything. Well, not everything, but it's in a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, about. well, I, like you wouldn't think gluten being in salad dressings and it's in salad dressings. Right, right, right. You know, exactly. it's mm-hmm. just, it's one of those things where you, you don't think it's there, but it's hiding and it's there. And then all of a sudden it's, it's just, you, you really have to be aware of all of the labels, everything that's, that's going in. And, and it seems as though that even some of the food companies are getting strategic with the way that they're even doing their labels, you know? So, um, yeah, you always have to, you always have to be on guard. So is that, so the nutrition and the whole entire wellness, you look at all of that also? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And some of the literature and research is saying with the kind of gluten we have, you know, the certain wheat and, and things like that we have now, as opposed to 30, 40, 50 years ago, Everybody should be off gluten. Is that because of it's um, modified by? It's the the GMO and all yeah. the Monsanto seeds and chemicals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, you know that's a whole another tangent. You it know sure that, is. I, that I get <laughs> that I get super riled up about. Um, we just don't know the effects that it's causing. When I went through my testing um, uh, with my integrative doctor here, uh, one of the things that it was described to me as is that um, our bodies, a lot of human bodies are reaching capacity of how much poison we can take at any given time. Interesting. And for me with, mm-hmm. yeah, with, with the heavy metal poisoning that I had and um, with the, the, I mean, the, 
gluten for me is toxic. I'm just not a sensitivity to it. It's toxic. And so um, what she had said was that there's like an accumulation over time. And, and for me, that just removing it first, because the way it was described to me, we can remove things from our diet for a while and it starts to cleans out, or we have to remove things forever because it's just not good for us. And gluten was one of those things that is a forever. It's not something that I can just clean out. And interestingly enough, as I um, started removing uh, gluten from my diet, and then um, I would have something that had gluten in it, um, I would start itching uh, or having a rash that I had never had before. Mm -hmm. Because before my body was so inflamed, it didn't know better. Exactly. It was, it was just used to that. And then you start removing it and then you eat it again. And then the body's like, alert, alert, alert. This is not good for you because being inflamed was normal. And, and, and so it was always on guard. And so it's interesting. You know, I was in Mexico uh, um, last year and I had some, I don't remember specifically what it was. There was, you know, something that did have gluten in it. Zero reaction come back here to the States, have something with, with gluten in it and start itching again. It's just fascinating, but it goes back to the chemicals um, that we're ingesting. I could eat some gluten products, not in excess every time I've been to Europe and not had a reaction. I've been gluten-free for 21 years and it took care of my migraines. So how did That's you impressive. know about gluten-free that long well, ago. that was my business. I mean, uh -huh. that's the stuff I was reading. Long before it was in style. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty common now. It's trending. So, oh, but okay, so um, this this is real fascinating. It's almost like I feel like I'm un uncovering a conspiracy here. <laughs> so, so, so twenty. This I'm just gonna say, just round it up. So twenty years ago, obviously they were doing studies on the the effects of. Food, or was it that specific, like gluten, the effects of gluten on the human body? It started with evaluating the chemicals that were in some of our foods. And, of course, there was a big aspartame deal back then and still is. And um, the doctors were finding, you know, gluten being a problem, being an allergen, or they started having people do um, rotation diets. And the longer they kept those out the better somebody felt, depending on what symptoms or whatever you were tracking. Um, one of the books that got me started was The Blood Type Diet. And I'm a blood type A, which is borderline vegetarian, which I'm fine with, but I don't do that because I need more protein now. And um, you were to stay off of uh, wheat, and I did for three weeks. And then I ate it, and I was sick as a dog. But other blood types would be able to tolerate that, but maybe they'd have to stay off something else. It's a pretty detailed thing. Yeah, no, I have heard of that, of the, of, of how certain foods affect your blood type. And, and I know, I, I thought I heard of something where, you know, you can, you know, you do your test online or, or not online, but you know, you can going and, and you can type in your blood type once you know what it is. And, you know, it'll, it can give you a, you know, not a diet, but you know, what foods to stay away from, what foods to so not to, but this is still interesting. So obviously, well, I don't want to say obviously, but when you were, you know, in, in the regular practice of nursing for those 17 years, 
were you know were you having those kind of like migraines and stuff like that and then when you no it came with menopause bless its soul mm-hmm. oh i guess so. <laughs> that's everything came with menopause oh. in my body. You, you, hey you're messing up my conspiracy <laughs> sorry <laughs> no i did not have headaches or anything like that back then so but so then what but what made you want to like go on your own like you know to to leave that and it seems like it was you know, you had a secure foundation, you know, your 401k, pensions, all this other stuff. What made you leave that and kind of go on your own and take this uh, giant risk? I just didn't like being in the hospitals anymore and seeing people come in, treat them, and then come back and treat them for the same thing. You almost got to know these people. They would like part of the, the system. Let me ask you this. So do you feel in that the hospital model versus the model that you're in now. Do you feel um, that some people don't want to be healthy? Yes, but I think it's driven by um, a lot of hurt, a lot of displaced emotions that haven't been dealt with, or uh, possibly just the lack of education. Agreed, 100%. Because where I'm, where I see it is, is just the unawareness or the patterning of being sick for so long. So that becomes easier to be sick. As crazy as that sounds, it becomes easier to be sick because that's the normal. And, and that's like the Chris and I have been having conversations on default settings um, where it's just, and plus they're not going to the core of where the problem stems from. Right. Right. So they could take a medicine to cover it up or whatever, but they haven't dealt with the root cause. How do you feel with your with your patients that you work with? Um, do you I'm I'm assuming um, you s- prescribe or you advise supplements versus prescription? Yes, there is. There is a role for certain prescriptions, not at the level, of course, that most people take them. But there are some that cannot be replaced with supplements or food. For example, blood pressure medications. Unless you lose weight and that's the only cause and your blood pressure will go down. Otherwise, you probably need some type of, I'll say, synthetic interference. Um, We can have supplements to help with your stress or other things, but it won't directly treat the uh, blood pressure successfully so but but most everything else there's there's either a hidden root emotion or um allergy or um something that you can look at from a prescriptive prescription basis or non-prescriptive basis of moving more to an alternative way of healing Yes, and I think you mentioned yourself as a good example, being um, toxic from heavy metals. That's a root cause. Yes. There's a lot of things that go on with that in people, Um, although the dentists have shifted a lot now, too. But there's a lot of people still out there with toxicity like that. And finding the gluten, finding the allergy, whether it's Mm -hmm. gluten or dairy, or maybe it's just a few foods and not a food um, group. Right. Right. I, when I went through my test, so I'm just curious because I want to, I want to push the envelope just a tiny bit um, because I, the testing that I went through with allergies was um, very deep testing. Um, um, 
several blood tests and specific blood tests. Um, I hear people talking about like scratch, you know, tests or where they, you know, put thing on, put um, things on the skin. What is, what is your feeling? Is the scratch test valid enough or does it have to go way deeper with certain types of testing to find out where the allergy is coming from? Well, I don't, um, what do I want to say? I don't trust the um, scratch testing mm-hmm. for accuracy. Um, what I hear from people is, oh, they told me, and everybody says, almost everybody says this, oh, they told me I was allergic to dust and mold and cats and dog dander, and it's all the same stuff. You know, everybody's got the same problem. Um, the fallacy in allergy testing overall is you can't test for the toxic metals in the world or mm-hmm. toxic, not toxic metals, erase that, um, the toxic chemicals we have. Mm-hmm. You can test for foods. You can test for environmental allergies, which they call trees and grasses and molds and things like that. But it's not the chemicals that are being put out in the smoke from the manufacturing plants or from uh, the corn dust in the fields during harvest or things like that. So how do we how do we look at those? How do we find those? Well, there's several different ways, um, but I am just beginning to implement. Hopefully in January, but it might be February. Uh, finishing some coursework um, by using uh, muscle testing and testing the body against certain vials of toxins that I have. I um, it's huge. I, I I don't I don't feel that we're aware that um, what we're what we're focusing on or, or what we're, you know, um, immersing ourselves in is, um, able to affect us the degree, you know, that it is. I had no idea I had heavy metals, um, uh, mercury, uh, one of those. And, um, and interestingly enough here, you know, obviously I'm in Michigan and we have a water crisis. Oh, yes. Um, uh, so with lead and, and things like that, I was high in mercury and lead, um, like very, very high toxic levels. And I'm like, where in the world did I get these from? And I am not, I don't live in the vicinity of where that water crisis is. And so it's like, you, then you start questioning how in the world, <laughs> um, do you get these things? And, and, you know, at the levels that I was, I had to go on chelation therapy to, to remove them. And it was brutal, Terry. It was like brutal. I could feel these toxins, um, being released from my body. And it was one of the most painful things I've ever had to go through. Yeah. The, the heavy metal, uh, chelations or detoxification, um, can be pretty tough if you're pretty toxic. Yeah. And you didn't know, you don't even know. I mean, I was so fatigued. Oh, I bet. You know, it was, it was just like, you could sleep. I could sleep for 12 hours a night, get up for an hour and want to go sleep for 12 more. You know, it was, um, that in addition to the gluten, uh, problem, my body was, um, I could function, but, and I would push myself to function, but I knew something wasn't healthy and and i also knew at that point because the the traditional doctors um immediately thought it was thyroid um or pre diabetes and i'm like that's not what it is that's not what it is 
and um, thyroid is completely fine. Nowhere, nowhere in the ranges of being diabetic. It was heavy metal poisoning. Right. And they wouldn't see that or know that. Mm-mm. No. One of my most regular questions to new nutrition patients is, um, since we're in Iowa, and not everybody's from Iowa that I see or was born here, but um, I say, were you, um, did you ever live on a farm? Were you raised on a farm? How long were you on a farm? And um, a lot of those chemicals show up, or at least some environmental toxin that needs to be removed. But there's so much we can't control in the air and um, at certain levels in our water. So one of the things, and and um, so we talked about sugar and the effects that sugar has on the immune system, kind of putting, you know, our immune system homies to sleep. So, but, and, and AV, you just brought this up and I want to, I'd like to have your perspective on what are you, you know, what's your, you know, your data point, so to speak on sleep and how important is sleep is and you know where are we or what's your theory on where we're at as a nation when it comes to you know uh, sleep and rest well i don't think um a lot of people get enough sleep because mainly because of stress in one form or another uh physical stress emotional stress uh etc um i think people also leaving their cell phones in their bedrooms and other physical components that are making things worse than it should be. Of course, now we've invented these weighted blankets that's supposed to take care of your stress. And it's helping people, but that's not the root cause. Mm-hmm. What does that do? I don't understand what's the purpose of that. I don't either. It, it works. I have two people have them, and um, they love them. They feel better. They sleep better at night. Um I'm not sure how they work. I haven't really dug into that much, and I probably should look at that. Um, they aren't electric, so you don't have that component. Um, they aren't magnets, so they're not going to be, at least the ones that I've been told about, do not have magnets in it, so they're not going to be that type of metal interference. Um, but they're glass beads. And and so it's, it's somehow the weight. Um, I, I, I don't know the scientific part of that at all. Now, let me ask you this. These that these uh you know the clients that use these uh these weighted blankets now and i know i'm i'm you know i'm just gonna say it however it is however it comes out but are these clients slim like you know very like under say 100 pounds or something like that no or are so they're because we have a we have a a friend of ours who's she's super slim uh, and she actually has that that weighted blanket but you know, she's, she's so funny. She's beautiful. And, but she says that she needs it because if not, she feels like she's going to fly away. But that's at nighttime. Pretty, yeah, at nighttime. <laughs> but, but, you know, but she's so, she's so small that it, you know, like, oh, I, I can understand it. But as far as the stress level, that's very, that's very fascinating. I, you know, interesting. Cause I, we've talked about, I've talked about these with people I see and they say that, and this is what I hear from them or the analogy is like the thunder vest for animals. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't even know what that interesting. is. Interesting. Yeah, so the thunder vest is for animals is like when they're afraid of I think I'm saying that correctly. In storms, you put this vest on and it makes them feel secure, like like almost being held. Like they're they're huh. like almost well, you know how babies are like waddled up in a yeah, blanket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah um yeah, yeah. that this weighted blanket allows them to feel more 
secure oh. and being held at night. So we want to we want to go back to the womb. wound. We want to redo our birth. Maybe. And that somehow shifts the nervous system from where it was during the na- day to whatever. And then the next morning they feel better. So then we can heal people by putting them in these weighted blankets, make them good, give them the reenact the womb. Mm-hmm. Like, and then this that is, may be, yeah. And this is where I think is fascinating. This is where I think the future is going. And they're, they're already doing this. So it's not like I'm trying to make something up, but sound healing I feel will be again its importance and not to say it's not, but I do feel that it's going to be even more and more and more and more important. I would say like even 10 years from now, 15 years from now, I a hundred percent, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going off the deep end here, feel that sound healing is going to be huge. And I'm talking about the sign healing that it, the sound healing that's like at another level where I'm, I'm getting rid of cancer like you go into this room that's soundproof. I'm blasting this type of sound, and I'm. It's also a sound that's not going to hurt you. It's a sound that's. It's a frequency, like waves. Like yeah. waves, and you come out of this room, and you're cancer-free. No injection, no throwing up, no, nothing. It's probably already invented. I, I guarantee it is conspiracy. They don't want us to have it. Right. Mm. There are some sound healing approaches not quite like that mm-hmm. um that is being used in one of the cancer hospitals in tijuana how so of course mexico right i can't just yeah oh yeah and of course i don't know what it's like now with all the political stuff going on down there but um there's a little machine they have that they use for frequency changes now they're also doing a bunch of other stuff they don't do any one thing down there um but there's quite a variety of approaches to cancer yeah i see i don't think that we, you know, we, we're always tapping into these, you know, these, I don't know, we want to tap into these futuristic type things instead of using what we have. And I feel that sound is something that we have. It's free. We, we have sound. And I, I feel that the, the, the power of sound is so important. You know, imagine you want to move the belongings in your house and you do it with sound. So with sound, you pick up a couch, you're doing the sound, you're putting it in, you're not hurting your back. <laughs> Great. Oh, Lord, I, you're going on a little bit of a tangent there. I, I, but what I'm getting at is that there's healings that doesn't, inter, it, it won't, doesn't have the side effects, right? For that sure. doesn't have, you know, may cause suicidal thoughts. Like, okay, I'm going to take this, but it might cause suicidal thoughts, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, um, that's 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 our industry, of, right? Yeah, I'm curious. Um, what are what are your thoughts on? Um, obviously, Michigan here just um passed a bill for um, uh, CBD oil, cannabis oil. Um, what are your thoughts with that in the future? I think it has a lot of potential. Um, we're having a little mixed conflict here in Iowa, so um. I don't think maybe I have all the information I could have about, although I've read stuff online and I have some and I use the SAB. Um, but I think it has a lot of potential. There's some real frequencies in there. As long as it's clean and it's grown from the right place, um, I think there's a lot of potential for different healing. I agree. And mm-hmm. even if we're using a blanket or CBD oil, or um, the frequency you talked about, Chris. Um, the bottom line, though, is people have to want to change. 
Right. And people in general, humans in general now, not everybody, resist endings. Can you elaborate on that? Because that was really good. People resist endings because they have to change. And in order to heal or to order to feel better or whatever they're trying to do, they have to end something to go further. And endings are beginning anew. It's looking at a different vantage point. It's um, they have to want it, right? They have to want it in order to create it. And then they have to be consistent about it. You know, they, they have to they have to bring this new practice into their lifestyle. And, you know, the simple one would be giving up your donuts because now you have to be gluten free. The hard, <laughs> the harder ones, I think, are changing a behavior and anger or grief or whatever, um, changing your actual actions or thoughts to put it in place to be healed. It, it goes back to what we were talking about, you know, obviously off off the mic, on the mic about familiar and unfamiliar where, you know, a, a, People would rather stay in the familiar, even if it's suffering, mm -hmm. because unfamiliar is not to suffer. So we do things to stay in the familiar, which is to continue to, to suffer. And when you're shifting that, even though it makes sense to us to say it doesn't make sense to suffer anymore, you're actually putting someone in an unfamiliar situation. Humans do not like that. Right. Recently, I put a quote. Um on Instagram, and it was a picture of Hippocrates, and the quote was supposedly from him, um, and it said um, something like, I can't quote it exactly, if you want to heal, ask them if they're willing to give up what makes them sick. And it's the awareness of understanding of what is the contributor or the, the um, what is causing the sickness. And a lot of us know we just don't want to change the behavior. Right. Or get the divorce or get a different job or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because that's, I, I go back to it. It's because it's unfamiliar. Why would I want something unfamiliar? Right. I, I, so I'm, I'm not... managing this mess that I'm in. So what's the problem? Right. <laughs> right. It's, it's not, it's, you know, quote unquote, right? This, this bad marriage is not killing me. So it's, I can stay, I can hang not, out for a while. Yeah, it's not inspiring me, but it's not killing me. So I can bear it because I'm already numb to it. And this is familiar. Mm -hmm. And you wait till the kids Amazing. are 18. Then you wait till they're through college. And then you wait, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. We were speaking on social media. So um, this conversation is amazing. And we can go on for hours and hours and hours and hours. But Terry, um, share with our listeners where they can find you, what platforms you're on, your website, and all the good details. Well, you can probably Google Terry Weebold and find most of it. But um, I have a website that is your healing insights and i always say insights is plural and then my email address is terry at your healing um i'm on instagram as i just mentioned as terry weeble and um i have a personal or an open facebook page and then i have a business facebook page which is terry Weebold, your healing insights can you spell your last name so in case people don't know how to spell oh, it um w-i-e-b-o-l-d pronounced Weebold. awesome all the services yeah, and, we'll, and we'll make sure that we'll put a link in the show notes uh, of the podcast for those listening you know just check out the podcast notes and you know the 
we'll have the website there where people can go to the website and, and check that out. Well, also, too, before we get too far ahead, um, exactly where is your office located? It's located in Corville, Iowa, at 250 12th Avenue in Corville. Corville is a s- suburb or a small town, a smaller town, next to Iowa City, Iowa, where the University of Iowa is. Any last nuggets that you want to share? I'm passionate about my work. I feel that social media and the internet, websites, etc., will help expand and help me reach more people. Um, whether it's just a little nugget, like you said, or whether it is um, something more profound for them to take the next steps and move on. So I feel very passionate about my work and um, will continue to do so. And um, my little nugget um, would be to listen to yourself or watch your environment and see what keeps showing up, whether it's a word on junk mail and then you see that word on television then you see that word on the internet something is trying to give you a message and check into it the universe is speaking right (laughs) exactly exactly oh it's been a pleasure uh having you uh with us uh this evening. I'm so grateful that you were able to um, step on with us. So continuing your amazing work um, with your medical background and your intuition to help and heal those who are open to change and experiences from a non-traditional perspective, but the traditional wisdom that you carry. Um, Thanks so much for being with us this evening. We so appreciate you. Well, thank you both. It was a very interesting conversation and questions. 